Maybe we could start with a bit of background to your practice, because then that gives a kind of wider context to where this particular investigation comes from. And, uh, and for me, because I'm not based here now, but in Finland, and also I have worked quite a lot with the Baltic Sea context, so maybe I'll start from there, because Paula has also worked, you know, being kind of... Her practice has been embedded on the shore of the Baltic Sea, um, and, and that's where I think her inquiry also here, in a way, is sort of resonating back to... And, and what I was really thinking, coming here and seeing the work now finished, um, I was thinking of that kind of very significant difference in these two contexts, that the Baltic Sea is quite a small body of water, uh, so we don't have tidal changes there really at all. So there's no tides. So all the waterways around Baltic Sea and the sea itself doesn't, has a very different dynamic. And, uh, and in terms of the kind of the sediments, um, that you have, there's, there's a kind of, it's like, um, like they actually call the Baltic Sea bottom, it's, it's like the kind of glaciers that you can basically get these sort of samples and you can see, you can basically see where Chernobyl happens, there's a layer, you know, and it's all kind of, so it works in a very different way than here, where basically the history gets kind of churned over and around with the tides in a way that you don't, you know, they're, they're, you never know what's going to pop up from the past, you know, through this tidal change. And, uh, and, and so I think that was sort of obviously something that must have been very interesting for you to come to work in this context where actually it allows a different, very different investigation. But another thing that I was thinking um, was that, uh, quite a big difference, at least for me, is that in the Baltic Sea, um, you, you kind of have to really know what you're looking for. You have to have quite a lot of knowledge in order for you to see the human impact. There's a lot of human impact, but it's not as tangible and visible in, in material ways. Uh, to a kind of untrained, you know, um, eye, um, that that you kind of you have to really learn to kind of know how you can see how human impact is actually has molded that environment. Here it's more like the other way around. When at the Thames, that you um, you look at the Thames and everything seems human constructed. There's so many histories and history of, of, of human kind of construction. Everything seems to be shaped by us. Um, but then actually, when you know Abdullah has been discovering that. Of course, you have to really learn to see how actually the environment is changing and feeding back into these sort of um, cultural constructions and those sort of human histories. So there's a kind of two sort of parallels that I was thinking of this morning when seeing the work finished um, here. But maybe um, maybe you could uh, tell a little bit about your work in, in the Baltic Sea of kind of where your interest in the different waters and studying the different waters has come from. Yes, it's true that. Um the, the reason why I, I'm so interested in, in, in bodies of water is that uh, my studio is based on an island just outside Helsinki and in order to get there I, I need to cross the water somehow and I, which means that I'm in, I, I either row or walk on the ice in the winter time so it's, um, it's really like literally touching the water and observing what's going on at the, se at the seashore um, and, uh, and I've been working for over 15 years with this marine plastic debris, which unfortunately we have a lot of uh, drifting to shore in Helsinki and everywhere over the world. And, um, and I, I do beach combing. So um, I go often to the seashore in, in, in order to see what, what the sea has brought uh, to shore. And, um, and that was my kind of uh, 
idea maybe why I then here ended up modelarking, but it's, as Taru said, it's very different because pitch comping is something that it happens on, I mean, it's it's now, it's the con contemporary that obviously the, the pieces of plastic have been churned by the, the sea and the winds and so forth, but it's still like, it's, it's not hundreds of years ago <laughs> what you get. So it's the, the time is different, and then also, um, yeah, my beach combing started uh, with a very special uh, kind of uh, debris or, or plastic, uh, variety of plastic pollution, which is uh, the very small plastic pellets. Also, the Americans, I believe, they call them nurdles, which is uh, like three diameter uh, kind of. Uh, big uh, plastic round shaped pellets that you can find all over the world and they are what the, the raw material for pl plastic and I was interested in this um, in this material because it's in plastics in general because it's a man-made thing and it's now kind of out of control when it gets when it's consumed and goes goes to the seas and this uh, these plastic pellets uh, I learned about them in 2006, and I, I read about them in the newspaper. But then, at that point, reading about this problem, I thought I wouldn't I wouldn't find find this on my island. And I was really shocked when I went actually to the seashore with the knowledge in my head that I could that that, that it exists, and I, I started to see it. So it was like it it has been. I mean, it has been in front of my eyes, and, but without the knowledge, I, I didn't understand what I was looking. And here, I mean, might be a little bit the same that I kind of develop, you call it a trained eye, but mm. yes, uh, here it's, uh, uh, I mean, you have to kind of use the power exercise and the kind of art of looking in when you go to the forest shore you start to develop a knife for something that is man-made, but it's in the middle of this, of the stones and the rubble and, and everything that you can find that is natural, which has been really an interesting uh, kind of journey for me to, to learn to recognize these very small pieces that actually are man-made or then churned by the, 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 the water so that they are most unrecognizable, so uh, yeah. Mm. Um, I guess that's the links between mm. the. Mm. Do you want to say a little bit about some of the, just maybe a couple of the works that you've done in the Baltic Sea? Because there's also kind of your, your practice has been focused on start coming from photography. So you've also worked a lot with um, questions around photography in, in relation to the kind of environment and how how to kind of maybe shift authorship, you know, the perspective from the artist's perspective to actually how do you use photography in relation to the elements that you're working with? Yes, um, so my interest in photography is, is basically that it's kind of uh, a way to capture the trace traces of things. Mm -hmm. So that's the, the no, it's not so much to, to Create, create images but, or, or compositions, but it's that when you, for example, the, the technique that I used here upstairs is a cyanotype where, and a photogram kind of thing that you just put objects 
on uh, light sensitive paper and they leave a shadows when you remove the objects and then develop the paper somehow. They could be using different techniques, but that's my like, basic uh, uh, interest in photography. And I've also worked with pinhole cameras and and uh, device uh, or, or constructed do-it-yourself devices where, for example, the sea, sea was able to write its own signature or the trees where I attached a pen to a tree and then gave it work as an easel myself. So when, when the wind blows, so different trees, they kind of draw different patterns. So there's kind of uh, capturing natural, the traces of natural phenomena using uh, photographic techniques, which of course have a history. So I, I always look back at the, 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 uh, the pioneers or the, the proto photographers, such as Henry Fox Talbot or Anna Atkins, as, as this, this work, or the, the first that came up with the, the technique of. Thank you. 
Yes, there are like many, mm. many uh, threats that um, in, in terms of cultural history that I first I already mentioned the proto-photographers. Proto so photography, the method was invented in 1839. So it's not long after Anna Atkins actually produced her album. And, uh, and also it was a time in, in mid-19th uh, century when the, the Thames reached the point, the, the pollution in the Thames reached the point of culmination. I believe it was, it was 1858 or something that the parliament from the Westminster had to move because of the stench coming from <laughs> the river. So nobody could bear it anymore. And that was a time when then finally the decision was reached to build the sewage system. So they hired Basel Jet to build the, the, the Albert embankment and to to actually try to to improve the conditions here when this school was built at the same time so that all this building is part of the <laughs> part of the, the project and um, yeah it, it was a trade the, uh, the tea was introduced to the Finnish culture a link to the tea, tea as well and uh, the mudlarks of course they were that, that was not as nowadays we have this elite kind of nice hobby going mudlarking but at that time it was like a real occupation and for very poor people so uh, they tried to make their living out of the ships that came to shore and uh, when the cargo was brought to land then people were going and trying to, to pick up what, what was uh, kind of left in the, in the mud. So, um, so industrialism and, and the, actually oh, so the, the cyanotype is based on iron salts. So there is again the, the iron that's coming from the same kind of my, my connection in my, my mind is because the normal analog photography is based on silver salts, salts of silver, but this is like the salts of iron that actually make the cyanotype image. Um, what else? Um, yeah, yeah. I think maybe one thing that I would like to have, then I would like you to maybe introduce some of the works here before we move upstairs, is the kind of method. Yes, of course, this sort of background, the kind of research and the decisions to focus and work with particular methods or materials um, is, is, you know, is there. But then also the kind of, I was just thinking uh, today, looking at the work and talking about it, that of, of the method and how you basically spent about two months every day following the tides going uh, to the Thames in this, what is about, you know, I was reading yesterday that apparently the second wettest February in 250 years here. So this is when Dola has enjoyed the Thames. <laughs> in a very, you know, embodied manner on a daily basis. Um, but I think that kind of, um, uh, there's something uh, really resonant in that your practice somehow and method to, for me, to like scientists and, and, and doing uh, field work and this kind of basic research of, of biology, environmental research, where it requires your persistence on, you have to go and measure and follow a place, an environment, uh, for usually for years, and, and there's 
you, you have to basically be there, you know, embedded in that environment, and you have to follow those sort of, that regular, setting yourself a kind of a regular and, and a fixed method in order for you to gain the kind of data. Then when you have enough of that data, you can start anal analyzing that and seeing those sort of environmental changes that are happening. And so your kind of method is somehow going to, for me, it's resonance with this sort of basic research of science that requires that you set yourself this very particular kind of method and the structure that is actually then governed by the environment, not by you in the end, but you have particular tools and then you just have to follow the environment and do you know, what it actually allows you to do in a way. And follow the tides, for example, here in you know, whatever time of the day it happens to be, that's where you have to be there. And so I'm kind of interested in that maybe, how do you see that connection to the kind of scientific methods in your work? I think both uh, <coughs> natural scientists and artists um, practice kind of art of observation mm. or art of looking. I mean, for me, it's I'm not interested in in actually like measuring in in terms of like meters and centimeters, but I, I do this uh, kind of visual mm. measurements, if you like. Uh, but it's it's still as you as you, as you uh, mentioned, it's the same following some method, and unlike Anna Atkins, she, she produced her cytotypes probably because they are like even, even uh, surfaces of uh, blue tones, she probably pr produced them as, as you should do them, like exposing them when the sun shines, mm. but I, I went there like in, in every weather because I had to go there at a certain point of day, uh, whether it rains or, or blows, the wind blows or so um, actually, I exposed the, the sensitized paper to to the elements as well. So what you see upstairs is, is drops of rain. Uh, you see the storm Dennis, which is all, almost like washed out the prints, and uh, sometimes the, the wind uh, blew the objects away. And again, it results in, in different traces. And yeah, and then there is this. Uh, other method I use, the chromatography, which, uh, which is a kind of separation method um, uh, that basically chemistry could show you uh, which, what kind of uh, uh, molecules or chemical components there is in, in, a, in, a, in a substance or solution or gas, but I've used it like visually starting from the, the clay I dipped under Westminster <laughs> uh, at the foreshore. Um, so um, it's, um, yeah, it kind of leaves a kind of chemical imprint, mm. whereas the cyanotypes kind of uh, register the, the weather conditions and mm. the light. Mm. Because, um, yeah, the, in addition to the material culture, I mean, the, the, the cases of the, the objects themselves. It's interesting that kind of what you know I was thinking earlier when you were explaining to are you doing the piece for example with the where there's basically a chemical process that then allows for the um, the material in a way the different materials in the mud to kind of um, separate themselves in a way in the process uh, and and then kind of the way that actually how they are absorbed into the paper they they reveal those different layers of different kinds of layers of different um, different elements and materials that are there. Uh, but rather than producing kind of the information data for us of what these are, it's sort of there's a like in the upstairs work, 
there's a kind of different kind of information being kind of produced somehow through the art process that things become tangible, but in a, also in a very embodied way. Like in, in what I, after you know, working with scientists uh, doing field work, there's a, there's a lot of things that they know because of the, it's all embedded in their environment. But a lot of that knowing and that um, is not something that is registered or, or kind of articulated in the science because it's not, it's sort of around the, the data that is being collected. Uh, but it's not something that can be communicated within the scientific framework either. But what's here in, in your work, what, you know, the work actually registers and communicates in a, in a very kind of embodied material way. So you become aware of different kinds of elements uh, without them being, let's say here, without the kind of different chemicals or materials <coughs> being named or given a kind of, um, through scientific taxonomies, but actually they become visible and tangible for us in, you know, through a process that is actually very connected to our everyday and kind of our, even suggest the way, you know, of the kind of embodiment of these different materials of, you know, through tea, you know, using kind of tea bags, uh, you kind of, and, and bring them, putting the mud in the tea bag, you know, that referenced actually how we are consuming in different ways. Through waters, uh, for example, everything that is in circulation on this planet, of course, however well it's filtered, you know, we are actually connected in different ways through our bodies uh, into the kind of these sort of watery water bodies in the world. And, uh, and so, and also in the upstairs, there's a kind of, the way that we move in the space, you know, becomes somehow, it, it's the kind of those heights of tides and waters are registering very much in also in that kind of body, in, in relation to the scale of one's own body. And, uh, and, and so it sort of starts, shift the attention somehow to actually also to our relationship to these, yeah. these phenomena in a way, um, rather than just kind of studying the, the, the phenomena around us. And so I think in, in that sense, you know, in connection to some of the other work that I know you've made, where you've kind of um, allowed the, uh, the Baltic Sea, for example, to do the painting, you know, on the kind of photographic, you know, the media, or, or the kind of the wind to actually, this sort of video work where actually the, uh, with the kite, you know, it's the wind. It's the perspective of the wind in a way that we're following through the video work. So it's kind of shifted. There was a camera yeah. attached to a do-it-yourself kite, which yeah. was like, but yeah. I had no control of yeah. the, the movement of the kite because of mm. the wind, mm. uh, the wind uh, directed the kite, but it's, mm. uh, yeah. And I so it's kind of, so it's not just, it's not the perspective of the wind, but it's actually somehow perspective of, of the wind with us. There's a kind of, again, that sort of thing, you can't separate the kind of these perspectives in a way, so now we're shifting away from the human perspective, but actually they're completely entangled yeah. in the kind of, in that production of, of imagery or material and that registry of that kind of, so it's really, that kind of draws attention, I guess, that our entanglement with our environment in the same way as a lot of the objects that you've actually found in the fence are kind of, so there's this sort of process of human production and, and making and cultural kind of um, history, but also the kind of, it's very tangibly, visibly being kind of churned by the tides and by the sea and, and you know, and, by the water, so there's a kind of that, these two are totally kind of in, inseparable in the objects themselves, as in the, in the prints. <laughs>